Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Stillwater, which I think I was looking forward to. It's based on the Amanda Knox trial, the Amanda Knox story. Amanda Knox was the girl, American girl, who in 2007 was convicted of murdering her roommate, Meredith Kircher, and four years later was exonerated. And the real killer was found to be this burglar named uh, Rudy Gaudet. She actually, Amanda Knox, has been quite critical of this film because they talked about it being based on her story. She wrote a blog post sort of saying, first of all, people always talk about the Amanda Knox trial. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. I was neither victim nor criminal. Mm. And yet this is the Amanda Knox story. It was all the media and so on. And Meredith Kirch has been forgotten in it. And of course, when Meredith Kirch has forgotten in it, they all say, well, it's Amanda Knox's fault for that too. And she's been critical as well because she says, people use my story and it's not like I see anything out of it. She questioned the morality of the people behind it. The people behind it are Tom McCarthy, uh, who directed Spotlight, which is a film I really love, and I've talked long on the podcast about my love for it. He also directed a film called The Cobbler with Adam Sandler, which I've never seen and sounds terrible. Mm. It stars Matt Damon as this roughneck, Trump-supporting American dad, uh, oil-drilling type, you know, strong, silent, pent-up, this is Stillwater now, not the cobbler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his daughter, who has been convicted in Marseille in France of murdering her roommate, uh, is played by Abigail Breslin. So the film begins with seeing Matt Damon uh, visit his daughter, and you see through you know passports and things, he's been there many, many times. He's been visiting France to visit his daughter, keep her up to date, doing laundry, all that kind of stuff, trying to be a good dad. She's uh, five years into a nine-year sentence, we understand. Uh, and she believes that the real killer, she maintains her innocence, has surfaced and can be found. And when she gets her dad to pass on a letter to the lawyer who she thinks can help, and the lawyer refuses, the dad decides to take on this course for himself and find the guy. Yeah, Hakeem, his name is. Mm. So there's a few more elements there that I think are important. She doesn't want the father to know or to be involved in this. Yeah. And, you know, he uh, begins to act without her knowledge and against her wishes. That's right. She considers him a fuck-up. And yeah. when the lawyer refuses, as I say, he does it. But he, he lies to her and says that the lawyer has got this in hand. The lawyer mm. is continuing the investigation, hoping to reopen the case. Yes. So that's an important element of the film, as is us being told that he's a fuck-up, because actually we don't see Matt Damon fucking up at all. We see him as being really conscientious, really reliable, always there. Like we said, you know, he's visited her every time he's had the opportunity. Mm. When you see the list of visits, it's, you know, there's so many you can't count. Mm. Yeah, so he's obviously been very conscientious. But it's important to the story that he was once a fuck-up. Yeah, that he was once somebody who drank too much and who took drugs and so on. Yes, that's true. We don't see him doing any of that anymore. And, and in fact, when he starts acting out and people discover this, they question, are you drinking again? Mm. No, no, that's not me. But let's let's say we're going into spoiler territory now. My, although my initial recommendation would be I'm not that, I'm not that impressed with it. I, I, I loved it. Really? I was very moved by it. And actually, I think uh, all of the things that moved me 
were the things that Amanda Knox doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think the story, I think it's very complex because, you know, on the one hand, he is, he's a, a quiet spoken man of very deep feelings, you know, who has had a difficult life, yeah? So he wasn't good at studying, he's been working the rigs, it meant, you know, he had to work, you know, all across, well, wherever work called him. His wife committed suicide, yeah, so... After their daughter's conviction. conviction. So, you know, he's somebody, you can understand why somebody like that would drink, yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, turn to drugs and so on. Uh, but where we begin, it's a kind of, you know, I was very moved by the constancy, by the loyalty, by the attempt, you know, by the bond that he has with his daughter, yeah, even though she resists, she doesn't recognize, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, I think that there's a really nice balance of, of complications in a way of, you know, what is to be human. So her, and this is a spoiler, having caused the murder, even though she didn't do it, right, and feeling her guilt and attempting suicide, Kind of, it's almost like a rhyming thing of what the father has been going through, yeah. With, yeah, the death of his wife, the, you know, his, his own daughter trying to commit suicide later on, yeah. So, it's kind of for me a, a, a depiction of really flawed people in quite difficult circumstances, but trying to do the right thing, yeah, and important for them to be doing the right thing. I was constantly moved by it actually, and things that I normally would laugh at like the prayer, you know, uh, uh, the saying grace before... Every meal. Before every meal. Or that moment where he kneels down in the hospital and prays, you know, with his daughters. Mm. Just, I was really moved by all of that. Yeah, I did like that sort of stuff. And I didn't think it was a failure of a portrait of that kind of person. I did quite like his portrayal. But I do think the film is um, very simple. Huh. I mean, I think it thinks it's being clever. It sort of says... We're all we're all human underneath, and we're complex, and we can break bread together. And you know, Trump or or you know, Republican or Democrat, we're still people underneath. And I think this isn't that profound, you know. Oh, he has hidden layers. Oh, who knew? You know, I I I, I think it's well. I was moved, and I appreciated all of those things because also the way that they're revealed. So you know, in that conversation that you're talking about, that you vote for Trump, you would think he would be the kind of person who would vote for Trump. You know, but his answer is, I, di I didn't vote, and then why not? Well, you know, I've got a criminal record and you're not allowed to vote. Which yeah. actually, again, you know, I think it comes as a, as a surprise. It came as a surprise to me, all of those things. Because the way that you're introduced to him is a quiet man driving through the immensity of America, you know, those huge spaces, to see his mother-in-law? I think it's his mother-in-law, yeah. Yeah. And again, there's a kind of an ordinary constancy in that relationship, you know. And then when he goes to Marseille, he doesn't understand the culture, he doesn't understand the language, yeah, but he's there. And actually, there's something, I think Matt Damon is so great in this performance, you know, because, I mean, obviously he's Matt Damon, he's that kind of star, but he is also this other person that you've not seen him be before. And I think he's very convincing at, uh, at it, really. And there is a kind of a bulldog determination, orneriness that you could see how it gets him into scrapes. scrapes. But I, nonetheless, it's very, it's very admirable. I, I, 
agree with some of that. I agree that Matt Damon is very good in this role. The thing about the Trump conversation, as you say, it ends with this. It's almost a joke that the revelation is that he didn't vote and because he has this criminal conviction. Um, it doesn't mean he wouldn't have voted for Trump. I think that's the kind of guy we're talking about. Um, but you you understand why as yes, well. Yes, you do, and you understand him as as deeper than the stereotypes would. Of a Trump. Voter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just don't think it's anything that um, revelatory, really. Well, you know, it's something. People, would, it's something that we haven't seen in American cinema in a long time. I mean, I think it is revelatory. I think, you know, for this character who is a good man, this, I think there's no question the film presents him. You know, as a very good man. Nonetheless, you know, he's taken drugs. He's not. He's been. You know, he's had problems with alcohol. His daughter's in jail over a lesbian murder. You know, and yet he's there, right? Like, and then the daughter. You know, who you 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 think is an innocent person who is very difficult with the father because of what she perceives as, you know, his lack in relation to her. You know, then nonetheless has also all those, you know, faults, and and the faults is what bind them together in a way, and what kind of make them human. And I think when you say, oh, we're all flawed and there's no repercussions, that's not true because actually, him attempting to save his daughter, or the actions he took to save his daughter, is in fact what ruins his happiness with this other potential daughter. I didn't and... say there's no repercussions. Oh. I think I'm, I think what I think is that the film has this very simple project of saying, you know, forget the divisions. You know, we're such a divided country under Trump. We've become such a divided country. But actually, aren't we all just people? Aren't we still Americans? I don't... That's why it puts him in this friendship and ultimately relationship with this bleeding heart liberal. I think the film is much more complex than that because at the very end, a normal American film would have this triumphalist moment and this film undercuts it, right? So when the governor greets her, it's all seen as phony and fake and manipulative and taking credit for what's not you what you haven't seen them do um and oklahoma becomes grim and empty and ugly in comparison to what you've seen of marseille i think it's obvious i think it's obvious what the film is doing and i think it's pretty obvious in the way it's trying to do it i don't mean that it doesn't work in any way what i really liked was how the relationship with the Camille Catan mm. character, Virginie, and um, her daughter, Lilou Savio, plays Maya. How the relationship with them develops, and because I... It, the film begins as though... Well, not begins exactly, but when you're kind of introduced to the premise that the lawyer doesn't want to have anything to do with this and that he's going to take on this pursuit of the real guy himself... It comes across like it might be like taken, you know. I have a very particular set of skills and all of that. And actually, what, what the twist is that he has no skills really. He's an ordinary guy. He's doing the best he can, and he does fuck it up. In you know, when he goes searching for Hakim, you know, in the projects, he f- does fuck it up, and yeah. Hakim leaves. And then you have to cut to four months later for the next thing to happen. I like how it undercuts that potential for you know this revenge thriller, and I like that when you do cut to that four months later. The chase has ended. He's still in France. I mean, how, quite how he's still in France, having been on a visitor's visa, he never explained. It's just he's still there and he's found work. And well, he's, it's, he's found work. and you, I think it's not. You're not told directly. But I think you understand why. He's working under the table uh, with, with immigrants, with other illegal immigrants, on building sites. That's how. I didn't take it as illegal immigration, I must say. Oh, I, I did. It's, to me, it was clear. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are all 
people from Africa, from North Africa, kind of, yeah. that he's working with. Uh, I mean, I took that as more of a, a portrayal of, um, of the city of Marseille. But I think you might be right. I just didn't take... I didn't think it was obvious, at least. At yeah. That. I mean, um, the reason why the city of Marseille has so many North Africans is because it's yeah, yeah. next door to it. But what I liked was that the development of the relationship, I thought... I expected it. And it, then it didn't happen nearly as quickly as I thought it would. So then I thought, oh, it's not doing that. And then when it did do it, I thought, this is nice. It's gradual. It's really taking its time to do it. Yeah. And develop their feelings for each other and develop the, the way they live. You know, that gets... And it shows her with other men, which is important. Yeah. And Um, again, very uh, counter-cliché, very non-clichéd. Right. And you just know that Akeem is going to come back into the picture. And when he did, you know, I knew exactly what the film was doing. I knew when they went to the Olympic Marseille match that he was going to see him there. Mm. It was obvious. I didn't. Oh, really? I thought it was completely obvious. This is where it happens, you know. He's gone to the Marseille game with... Uh, the girl with Maya, and she's ecstatic. She loves Marseille and everything, and um, having a great time. And then he sees him, and you know your your heart sinks because you know he's going to fuck it up. And what he's going to fuck up is it, it, the film has given him real stakes. Yes, and that's what it's that's that's what's really really effective about that whole section of the film for me. And what follows after? Because I mean that whole thing is so he's built up this relationship, and has developed a father-daughter relationship with Maya, and yet he puts her at extraordinary risk in the attempt to save his biological daughter, right? And actually, that's what results in him losing that whole relationship and that whole family, right? So that's the price he pays. But actually, those stakes are very high, and I think, you know, the child remains innocent in this, and he's just driven, right? Like, yeah, without being conscious of... Well, one I like as well is is that when it gets to Virginie kicking him out, when it's all uncovered, because he's been keeping the secret that he has kidnapped this guy and put him in the basement, um, it, it's a horrific thing to do. And I think even for a character who it's been established is has the propensity for these outbursts of violence, is out of character. And I don't think the film handles it well. I don't think, it, and, and or at least if once he does it, I wish the film would show him introspecting on it. It doesn't at all. He actually seems very comfortable with it, um, which I don't like. I don't think it fits. But I do like the overall impression, although I think it's something you have to read into the film, that your daughter comes first, your kid comes first, and that's what's driven him this whole time. And, and Which is the same thing with Virginie, because when she kicks him out, her kid comes first. You know, So you think, oh, maybe she could understand what he's done, but no, no. She's protecting her kid from a guy who's done something really radically inhumane. Um I, but like I said, I do think there are problems. I think that's really missing that you know that any sense of him questioning what he's just done. You know, I also think something that's missing is any continuation from that scene where he visits his daughter in the hospital, her having attempted suicide. It's forgotten about completely. Well, I like those ellipses. Um, you know, the film works on the basis of several ellipses. So he punches the guy, and then you don't see the aftermath. Virginie lets the guy go free. You don't see her do it. You know, the, the film works on the basis of a whole bunch of things that you don't see, but that the repercussions overhang the film. And I, I quite like that aspect of the film. I, I think some of that is ellipses that have purpose and some are just missing and actually weren't considered. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been too much to have had a kind of a 
reconciliation scene with his daughter, or an open-hearted scene with the daughter after suicide. Just a mention of it. Well, I think I think the film puts it at the end, puts that scene at the end in the porch, yeah, when they're both in Oklahoma, and I think that works very well for me. Hmm. I didn't for me. I mean, I mean, it's funny because at the Turvis, I'm normally the one who says, you know, just use your imagination, just like you know, and you're the one going, no, it should have explained this, this, and this. Hmm. I feel completely the opposite with this one. I think the film is asking you, it, it is assuming that you're going to fill in all these blanks that it hasn't bothered to, and I think it thinks it's being quite clever. You know, with- I, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's it is a. a a relatively earnest film. I mean, it's not mm. it's not art cinema. It's quite straightforward. Yeah, yeah. But I think actually the material it works with and what it shows you is quite complex. You know? mm. uh, and and um, very surprising to see in a cinema at this moment, really. Do you reckon? I do because it's a film that's all about relationships. Yeah, I think it's it's all about. You know, it's about a father-daughter relationship at the heart of it, of very um, flawed people. Yeah, I was almost going to say ordinary people, really. Yeah, people who've made mistakes and who are in pain, and yeah, mm. who, as I said, you know, I mean, it's a it's a bit maybe extraordinary in the sense that at the, at the center of it is this murder, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I I th- I also thought it was tactful. It underplayed the sensational lesbian aspect of it. It's there. Hmm. You know, but it doesn't sensationalize it. And it's almost like, besides the point that she's a lesbian in a way, the daughter, right? Like the film really doesn't make anything of it. It doesn't affect, you know, the father's feelings in any way or indeed the grandmother's or, you know, I thought that was all kind of no, that works well. great tact. That works well. And I like that that does fit with his kind of wound in introverted nature mm-hmm. that he, you know... A lot of Matt Damon's lines of dialogue are along the lines of "Yes, ma'am," "No, ma'am." Very simple answers. So great, yeah. and because um, he communicates everything. Yeah, he does. He says a lot with those lines, and those are well-written conversations as well, and they they fit. And you do get the feeling that you know that his his acceptance uh, or tolerance of his daughter's sexuality fits in with that. That actually, you don't get inside his skin and know really what he thinks about it because you think on you know one hand it seems to be a roughneck, probably Trump supporting Christian. Although it's not a cartoon, it's stereotyped to some degree. It's or at least it's a archetype. So you think, well, that's something that he would have trouble with. And if he does, it makes sense that it's inside him, and he's it's something that he maybe struggles with if he does. And and you know, part of maybe what he prays about sometimes. You don't see any of that, but that's not something I had a problem with not seeing. Mm. I did like that. That was. I suppose left up to you mm. to think about some of the other simplistic characterization though his constant sort of reiteration that he's a dumbass and yeah I'm a dumbass don't talk to me and you know whereas Virginie's doing plays and eventually he goes to see a rehearse and he has nothing to say what do I what would I know about culture and all this he assumes that actor means TV actor he doesn't even have a conception of what the theatre is really yes that's not surprising but I just think it's simple. I think it's obvious. Like I don't obviously, th- that's what I, this guy would do. I don't think it's simple. That's and I part don't, of the film's construction I, of this type. I, I that don't it can think then try to undercut. I don't think it's simple, and I don't think it's obvious. And I think there's a really, an, an, a, a very powerful, if implicit, critique of America in that. You know, because you get the feeling America's failed people like Matt Damon. You know, it hasn't offered them theater. It hasn't offered them the arts. They return to Oklahoma. And it's just like, you know, these tired little homes and these open spaces 
with all of this fake, you know, congratulations and rah rah, but you know, the, but but it hasn't offered any, them anything, and the conversation at the end acknowledges, yeah, that what he saw in Marseille, you know, which included the theater, yeah, and those discussions and the ocean and, you know, the vista is something that, you know, hmm. he, yeah, those last lines of dialogue, where his daughter says. You know, it's nothing's changed. Still, water's the same as before, and he says, "Doesn't look the same to me at all." Exactly. And I thought, "Oh, it's trying to say too much there with it, the thing that it I hasn't don't think so. really I think, explored enough." No, I, I, I think it. You know, the imagery's there. You know, the food, the conversation, all of it is there. I think. Mm. I really liked it. Yeah. I didn't hate it by any means. I was really involved with it, and I think it's a very well-told story. It's, but I just think the project is so obvious that I well, find it insulting. Let me put it another way. It was a two-hour, 20-minute character study. Mm. And, you know, I was more involved and engrossed in it than I was in Jungle Cruise. <laughs> where, you know, like in Jungle Cruise... Is that going to be your new yardstick? Well, it's what we saw today. So yeah. I'm comparing it to what we saw today. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that was full of action and color and whatever. And I think I looked at my watch two or three times. This one is a quiet character study. No big razzle-dazzle. You know, no special effects, no action sequences, nothing really. You know, I mean, the the most uh, visually interesting moments were actually at the football match, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. And I really like the way the football match was shot. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that you could tell because of the quality of the image that this had been shot on different cameras. They were, they were a real match. They hadn't set this up. They'd gone in there amongst the real fans to snatch these shots mm. for the most part. You know, I think it's obviously different when you see... Uh, Hakeem in the crowd, that's yeah, something different. But a lot of those shots early on are Matt Damon and the, the girl really in a football match. Yes, you know? and the football match also conveys this cultural dislocation, these cultural differences. It's not like football. Why are they doing that? They're winning. Yeah, like when yeah, know. when they're shooting all the flares off, someone should yeah. tell them they're winning. He says all of those things. I think are kind of you know really really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, so he's a man who's he's a fish out of water, but actually this new water that he's in is making him think about how uh, much more uh, polluted and unsatisfactory his home water is. Mm, that's fair. I would say on the Amanda Knox question, just quickly, because I mentioned you know that she wrote a critique of of if not the film, the people behind it and the statements they'd made. Um, and it's kind of worth reading. It's a short thing on a blog, in fact, and she did a, a series of tweets saying the same thing. Um, what I would disagree with her on is that I think any any reasonable person could see that this is as lightly inspired by her story as it could be. You know, the, like the details are all different. Obviously, the names are different, but the details are all different, really. the fa- uh, Clearly, the fact that the film implicates the Abigail Breslin character in... The murder is not something that Amanda Knox wants attached to her, nor should it be. But that's um, that's what makes the film better. Well, and, but that's also what makes the film loosely inspired. And like I say, any reasonable person should should get that. Yeah, of course. Um, um, and and I love those complications. I love that you know um, she's not a murderess, but she very likely caused her murder. You know, but she remains in love with this woman. Mm. whose murder she might have caused, right? Like, I just yeah. think that's terribly interesting. The film communicates all of that very clearly, right? So, you know, uh, without any huge outbursts. Yeah, actually, 
I was trying to think, does Matt Damon have any big emotional outburst in it? I don't think so. Other than knocking people out and keeping a prisoner? Well, but actually, he even does that in a quiet manner. And that lasts like a second, yeah? He parks the car, he goes behind him, one punch, and then cut to, mm-hmm. yeah. So you don't see him screaming. Or, no, you don't you see know. him scream. Um, so, and the only fight scene that you see really is the one where he gets beaten up, up, you know, and even then he doesn't scream. So, um, I think the film does a disservice to its Arab characters and characters of, of kind of foreign and minority descent, which is where some of the film is spent. So in Marseille, there are these, uh, projects, essentially Banyu's, uh, housing estates, all that kind of thing, whatever you like call the them. wire. <laughs> yeah. But um, over many stories. You know, and, and w- when they're first on the search for uh, Hakeem, you know, they're talking to these two young girls, people of colour, in this area. And, you know, he has to be told, you know, we're not really welcome here and don't go after them and stuff. That's not what he's done here. It's like you have to tell an American about racial, you know, <laughs> about about kind of areas that, that you think, don't come from that kind of thing. I, I, that's ridiculous. I think the film handles that beautifully. In fact, I completely disagree with you. You know, because, um, well, first of all, you know, does someone like Matt Damon see, you know, Hakeem as a racially different character? I, I don't necessarily think so. So, you know, the politics of race in France are completely different than those of America. I wouldn't expect them to recognize. In fact, I think those whole sequences are how he doesn't get it at all. Right, like um, well, all the talk about Hakeem, at least early on, maybe before we see him, is about him being Arab but light skinned. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's clear that he conceives of him as different because of that. Well, I don't, see, I didn't, yeah, that's I, how they talk about. Well, my point is that race is socially constructed. Yeah, right. So if you see a picture of Hakeem, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily like you know think that he's North African or you mm. know he could just as easily be a Frenchman, right? So. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh, the, the politics of race, of color, of geography, of where and how people live, right, and what those societies are like, are different, right? It's like, you know, kind of when Lion came out or, you know, what is it, uh, DC-13 or whatever it's called, or District 13. District 13, you know, those films all evoke kind of those banlieues and the gangs and, you know, all of that, which this film kind of you know, touches on, but you don't expect the Matt Damon character to know about them and the film kind of um both tells you that he's completely unaware of those uh depicts the racism uh yeah in france which is you know very similar to that in the u.s but with black people yeah so there's that whole discourse of oh you know i'm gonna put all these arabs in jail yeah just call me to the station and you know i will identify whoever it is you know, uh, and yet it also makes the Virginie's child a mixed race child, mm-hmm. right? So I think it kind of the film is very aware of all of that and kind of you know trying to make a, a, a an interesting comment on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is all extremely obvious. You know, it's strategically making Maya a mixed race child so that when he becomes friends with her you see a hidden layer to him, you know. I mean, it's obvious. Well, I, you know, I think um, it needs to be articulated in that way, and I'm very glad that the film did it, mm. right? And if it was so obvious, you'd see so much more of it. And actually, it's in no way comparable, again, to Jungle Cruise, 
you know, those feminists at the end, which is just like one oh, shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's obvious and, you know, manipulative. Yeah. This is kind but of. But I expect more of this than I expect of Jungle Cruise. That's why I didn't criticize. Well, didn't even think to criticize that in Jungle Cruise. It's well, so obvious that it would be obvious. In here, I wanted more subtlety. I wanted more. I think the filmmaking, the, the, the storytelling, shot to shot, is really good here. I think the construction of everything overall is obvious and not clever enough. I, I, I mean, I, so I have mixed feelings because mm. I don't think it's a great film. You know, but I think it's a very good film and I was very glad to see it. I also think it's a very unusual film mm. in terms of the subject matter that it deals with, the characterization involved. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be um, so uh, unusual in a late 60s film, say, but actually, in terms of what is made available to us from contemporary mainstream American cinema, I think this is really, you know, un unusual and it was unexpected for me. Sure. And I really liked it. I mean, where I would find the, a fault with the film is that it is visually unexceptional. Mm. You know, like, so I think it handles it very well, right? Like, so the timing of the shots and you know, some of the shots themselves, but there are other areas of cinema that could have been brought to play, you know, that could have made it more poetic or symbolic or that you could have used the backgrounds more expressively or, mm. yeah, and I think the film doesn't delve very much in, in, in terms of what, more, what a more complex visualization might have added to the film. That was the same with Spotlight, really. As much as I yeah. love Spotlight, it's the screenplay mm. and the conception the and the acting that is everything yes, in that film. That is the case here. Um, and, and, that, and the filmmaking, the, the, the direction, rather, I should say, puts all that front and centre. But it means that visually there's not a lot of interest in it. Yeah. You, know, you have to like, well, you have to like looking at these people and seeing them act, which fortunately is brilliant. And they, that's yeah. what makes it work. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but that would be kind of. Uh, my critique of it. I mean, I must say, I really was very moved. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was not unmoved. You know. Um, I think it did work. I. I. I do want to clarify. Like, I do think. I don't have just criticisms of this film. It. It, it engrossed me. Hmm. I wanted to know what would happen next. I couldn't predict what would happen next. Yes, that was the case with me. And I was moved. Yeah. It's not an unsuccessful film in that respect. It's just that I think it's. You know, just as I said, everything kind of behind it and what I think it's trying to do overall. It's not something that I thought was actually impressive. Ah, well, I found it more impressive than you. And actually, I think that, you know, making a film that is two hours and 20 minutes long, you know, and that is a character study, engrossing and moving is its own achievement. Yeah, that, that is true. So, so it's right. worth seeing. I mean, given all that, it's worth seeing. I think it's very much worth seeing. Uh, and I actually think it, it might be Matt Damon's greatest performance. I think he's absolutely extraordinary in it, actually. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, to carry all of that, to be both himself, recognizably Matt Damon, you know, and yet you really get a sense of a human being from Oklahoma, you know, and internalizing like that. And someone with a lot of skills, actually, because, you know, he knows how to fix plumbing. Yeah, he has all these manual skills and electrical skills mm. and so on, but who, who conceives of himself as not intelligent. Yeah, because of his lack of education. I mean, you really felt that was a real person. And that's almost mm. the opposite of what Matt Damon stands for. Matt Damon stands for Harvard and WASP and a kind of 
middle class privilege and Democrat definitely. and Democrat very outspoken. And, you know, so you know to to make that character believable and the and to make him so moving, I thought is like fantastic. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Eavesdrop Movies. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.